Welcome to Authentic Living with Roxanne, a place where we have conscious conversations about things that really matter in our lives. And now, here's your host, Roxanne Derhage. It's uh, Roxanne Dorhodge with Authentic Living with Roxanne. Today, I have a special guest, Kemi Ongokoya, and um, she is coming to us all the way from Nigeria today. So, Kemi, thanks for uh, coming back. Actually, Kemi and I uh, recently did her YouTube um, uh, where she interviewed me on leadership, and um, we actually uh, recorded hers, and there was a bit of a glitch. So, we're getting the opportunity to do it yet again, which is uh which is, I'm so glad that Kemi could do that again today. Kemi, thanks so much for coming back. Thank you. It's my absolute pleasure. So Kemi is a leadership uh, expert. Uh, she works with uh, leaders and um, and she's done a lot of work uh, internationally um, in um, North America, in Europe, and in uh, Africa and Asia as well. So we're going to talk a lot today just about, um, she has a model that she's developed around leadership, but we're going to talk a little bit about that and kind of what she's seeing out there today in the world of leadership. So Kemi, so tell us a little bit about what made you, did you always want to work with leaders or how did you kind of, what was your path um, to deciding that you wanted to work with leaders? All right. Uh, so thank you again for being or for having me on the show. All right. So, well, I <laughs> didn't start out wanting to work with leaders directly. I started out working uh, doing, you know, business consulting. And in some way, we were working with leaders. Uh, however, I realized that a lot of times, you know, we go on to present very wonderful implementation documents for organizations. And yet, somehow, somewhere, you know, egos just find a way of throwing that right out of the door. Uh, and then I realized that, you know what, we do not have shortage of, you know, um, strategy. We do not have shortage of ideas. Uh, but then we do have a leadership deficit. And until we're able to deal with the leadership deficit effectively, um, you know, not so much is going to change in terms of how businesses have been run. And then I decided to start focusing on leaders within organization to ensure that they have the right mindset and, you know, beyond just having people occupy certain positions of leadership um, because it seems like they are a feat, rather getting to that point where we can actually develop people to become great leaders and invariably, you know, just find a way of narrowing that leadership gap and that leadership deficit. And, you know, over the years, I have been privileged to work with leaders all over the world to ensure that they're able to develop the right competence for their leadership roles and actually let the organization breathe. Mm -hmm. So there are definite, I would say there is definitely um, for leaders to, to move along and to move up the ranks, they have to have a certain capacity to be able to lead. 
but when they get to a point where they get blocked, what do you find are some of the core fundamental things uh, that might stand in a way uh, in the way of a leader increasing their capacity to lead more effectively when they hit um, you know a certain level of management? Yeah, so you know, so if we look at the management metrics, for example, you know, when a leader gets into the working environment, you know, be it corporate or otherwise, um, at that point, it seems like they need more technical skills, right? And then as they continue to ascend the ladder, get into about mid-management, then there is more requirement for the, you know, human skills, and then they're able to have some level of technical skills, and then conceptual skills is also going to be required. But then as leaders continue to progress, there seems to be more reliance on their human skills and then, you know, also great reliance on their conceptual skills. Now, I, I've worked with a lot of leaders and I realized that as leaders go up the rack, you know, there seems to be um, a struggle as to where exactly they need to pay their attention on. You know, but then if leaders are able to focus more on the human skills and then the conceptual skills, um, it would help them understand exactly what the business needs at every point in time. So I say that leaders, you know, need to really get to that point of understanding when to be on the dance floor and then when to be on the balcony, which means that at a particular point, they need to start focusing more on strategy than being buried in the operational running of the organization. So when leaders get to that point where they constantly find themselves struggling um, or, you know, just being into all the operations, then it, it's at that point they know that they really need some form of intervention. And intervention could come in different forms, you know. We could um, find intervention in terms of having an incredible team, you know, to work with where you know that even when you are dropping the ball, you have competent hands, you know, to lead you on, to guide you, um, and then to hold you accountable. So I say that when leaders are at that point where they are struggling, you know, it's important for them to revisit, to review, and then do what exactly it, it requires for them to get back on track. So I would say that a certain level of competence is a given at any given point. Um, Absolutely. However, Let's talk about the difference between the dance floor and the balcony, because I'm, I'm, I'm interested in that concept. So do you find that most leaders recognize when they're getting stuck? It's no longer, it's no longer about strategy, but it's, it's something to do with the human element, which I would say, I, I'm going to assume that's where the balcony is. Is that, am, am I correct in that? Learning when to lay back, kind of, okay. you know, sit on the periphery. And let others do the dancing. Is that is that my understanding of your analogy there, Kemi? Okay. So 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 with the dancing, with the um, dance floor and the balcony, you know, it's pretty much. Um, so as leaders, at some point, you're really hands on, right? You're really hands on. But then what we realize is that a lot of times, a lot of leaders get to or get stuck working in the business and then lose sight of working on the business. So right. working in the business is you being on the dance floor where you are, you know, and, and just if you can imagine being on the dance floor, all of the activities are going on right around you. You know, there's so much pause and then um, there's a limit to the view that you would have pretty much having that area of view when you're on the dance floor. Okay, so that's where all the operations, 
and you know all the bustling and all of that goes on but then being on the balcony gives you a more strategic view so you mm-hmm. pretty much have the red eye view where you can see things from different perspectives so you're on the dance floor and then you know everything just seems to be all around you you can hardly you know see what's going on feet away but then from the balcony you're able to assess exactly what is happening so imagine that you have a stand where you know there's a band where you have a stage you just have a better view and then you're able to take certain decisions based on that so for a lot of leaders they get stuck working in the business you know rather than working on the business for great leadership and effective leadership is about understanding when to be on the dance floor because as leaders we have to get our hands dirty and then to understand when to be on the balcony so that you can be in that phase of strategic um or just make better and strategic decisions from that um you know standpoint so when is it that you find leaders let's say um do you find that most leaders have that skill to recognize this versus working in in the business versus on the business, right? So higher level strategic thinkers are able to recognize, I need to demonstrate competence and capacity in my skill, but I have to know when to back off. Do you find that with the leadership teams that you work with, Kemi, are most people able to recognize that I'm kind of, we call it being stuck in the weeds, right? You're you're on, it's a set, kind of same as being in the dance floor, but there's some people that really kind of like that, right? They feel alive, they feel energized because they're in there and they're getting their hands dirty. Um, And how difficult is it, do you find that people that are really like that part of the business to take that step up strategically? Okay, so very great question with that. Um, So, you know, I, I work with a lot of leaders and I realized that just like you have rightly said, you know, there's, there's a level of, adrenaline that just comes on the dance floor, right? You're so overwhelmed and then you're so swamped up with all the activity. Um, however, it takes a level of awareness, you know, and a level of um, competence for leaders to get to that point where finally they enjoy being in, you know, the business, but then they understand that being in the business for too long would actually be affecting, you know, the results that they're able to achieve on the business. So as key leaders within the organization, if you're not focusing on strategy, if you're not focusing on being at that vantage point where you are able to have that overview of the organization and make key decisions, then you, you know, you just have growth um, being stunted in one way or the other. So I find that a lot of leaders struggle, you know, um, to, to accept that, that, that they need to step out of the dance floor. I think it's more from that place of awareness rather than from the place of competence. So yes, they know what to do, but then, you know, in this booker world that is highly volatile, uncertain, complex and ambiguous, we just feel that, you know what, the business needs more of me on the inside. And another thing I realized is that for a lot of leaders who haven't been able to gain a level of confidence, in their team where there's a low level of trust in such on, on such teams, you find out that the leaders feel uh, that they always have to be on the dance floor. Okay, mm. so until leaders get to that point of comfort where they invest more in building their team and then, you know, they want to focus on elements like trust, you know, and, and developing competence of their team members, then they would always find themselves having 
to be on the dance floor to make up um, for whatever lapses within the organizational system. So trust is really um, the core fundamental that obviously teams need. So what you're saying is that sometimes leaders feel like they need to microscopically be involved when there's a variation of trust. But I'm going to assume on the counter side of that, Kemi, that when you have trust, uh, there's a there's an innate um, relaxation within the leader to say, my team has capacity. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, th there's so many elements that would help develop that level of trust within a leader. And competence definitely is one of, one of those key skills. But like I say that, you know, when leaders leave, um, you know, competence to just their employees or their constituents to develop on their own without really investing in their journey of growth, uh, that they would always find themselves in that situation where they have to work longer on the business and then they have to work harder on the business. So yes, competence to a great extent will help, you know, develop some level of trust um, in the capacity of, of the employees or the constituents as the case may be. However, it's important trust will not magically, um, you know, just, just come on its own. So let's let's talk a little bit about um, trust, and 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 I know you have a model, uh, Kemi, that you developed, and I'd like you to um, tell us a little bit about about the model and um, how within that model, how where is is trust kind of woven through? Um, is it that the the levels of the model get to a point where a leader has de developed their capacity to function, and inadvertently it creates trust, or is it that they're working through trust all the way along in your model? You know, the model is called the Dozen Model um, and it's a leadership framework that I developed after years of working with a number of leaders across you know, different industries, um, different continents and you know, different organizations. And we realized that there are 12 key factors that leaders um, or 12 key elements that leaders need to leverage on um, to, you know, attain that level of effectiveness as leaders. And, you know, there's clarity, there's communication, there's competence, there's, you know, connection, uh, there's, you know, um, community. And, you know, looking at each of these elements, each of them rely heavily on trust, right? So when we talk about clarity within the organization, for example, we're not just talking about clarity as it affects the leader. Not just the leader has to be clear on what the organization wants to achieve. However, the leader, you know, from that level of clarity that he or she has about the business, the organization, the values, the mission, um, and all of that is able to clearly uh, be able to also, you know, release a level of clarity to their constituents. So that will also heavily depend on the level of trust within the organization because, you know, a leader needs to be able to trust you to a great extent for them to believe in your vision of the future, right? So let's look at communication, which is also another key element of the model. And when it comes to communication, there is a level of trust that is required for me to believe exactly what you have said, you know, for me to um, have that level of comfort with what you have said to me as a leader. So I want to believe 
um, you know, that the vision of the future that you have painted is something that is real and then it's something that is attainable. I want to believe, you know, the, the uh, manner with which you're able to relay your message, that there's some level of consistency around that. So you see that even communication is heavily reliant on trust. Now, connection, right, which is another key element of the model, you know, it's, it's a no-brainer. There's no connection without trust. Okay, so that's also heavily um, dependent on trust. Another key element of the model is community, right? And I, I believe that as leaders, uh, we need to be able to build a community of other leaders by constantly investing, you know, in their growth and also their development. And for that to happen, there has to be a level of trust, right? Uh, and um, another key element is consequence, for example, right? I need to trust that my, my leader, for example, is going to be held accountable for their actions and their inactions. And for me to be able to wholeheartedly believe what you are saying as a leader, I need to know and trust you that you would hold yourself accountable for your actions and inactions. And then other people within the organization or within whatever system will also be held accountable. So for every element of the model, you know, we cannot separate the importance of trust. And that's why we see a lot of organizations um, that struggle, you know, to be able to achieve a level of results um, when there's no trust. So trust is a key element of leadership. It's a key element in, in the dozen model, for example. And in as much as, you know, trust in itself is not um, an apparent, you know, element of the model because all the models are, are all begin with C, but then trust is infused in every element of the model. So I would say that, you know, let me let me play devil's advocate for a second. There have been some companies that have been successful and at maybe the level of trust is not a pinnacle. So, you know, some people might say, well, you know, what about, and I can't think of a particular, you know, um, company right now, maybe you can think of one where they actually still achieved, but there was still a level of uncertainty or a lack of capacity to trust openly, but they still continue to perform very well. So what do you say to people that might come to you and say, why is trust that important? You know, I have this example um, of this company here, X company X, that still seems to to do well quarter by quarter or year over year. um, And they they don't seem to be, you know, having an optimal level of trust. All right. So definitely we would have you know, such organizations um, to point our fingers at to say, oh, you know what? So why do I, why do I need to worry about trust? But, um, you know, when you look beyond what you have on, on the surface, right? What is the level of engagement that the employees have towards the brand? Okay, uh, because sometimes I say that there's a lot of cost um, for ineffective leadership. And sometimes this cost we may not be able to measure it directly, but then it doesn't mean that this cost do not exist. So yes, you know, trust, for example, um, based on research has been linked to high level of employee engagement, you know, have been invariably linked to um, organizational results. So we cannot really separate it. So yes, it may seem like we're winning, but then I bet that, you know, there's certain elements of a business that is cracking and then is crumbling on the inside. And it's just a matter of time for the owners to get to deal exactly with that. Because when the employees are not as loyal, 
you know, or they're not as engaged or, you know, they don't just trust their, 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 their you know, superiors or then their, their leaders within the organization. It affects how they work. You know, it affects the level of productivity. And sometimes we may not be able to, um, you know, measure all of this, you know, just, just as straightforward, but then it does in the long run, you know, affect it. And something that I, I can just think of as an analogy for this is, you know, imagine that you're sweeping um, and then you just find a way of always putting the dust under the carpet, right? It's just a matter of time, okay? That the rug is not going to just seal perfectly on the floor anymore. So for such organization, yes, it may seem like we're winning because there are other metrics that may be involved. So say, for example, um, you know, you, 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 you may be paying high, you know, and, and then doing very well um, in terms of remuneration, but then it isn't enough. And then it's also important to understand that the workforce is changing now, you know, and then the demands of the workforce is also changing. So we have a workforce who is more into purpose, is more into flexibility, and then more into culture, right? So things are absolutely changing. And then, you know, the demands of the workforce will also find a way um, of expressing itself in how such organizations have been run. So now that we're opening up, uh, you know, the world economy is starting to open up. What are some of the things that um, companies have to think about in reference to culture now that we've kind of gone through this uncertainty? And what are some of the core things that people need to think about in because I, I mean, you know, the world has been in fear and employees have been kind of been through a lot of trauma, I would say. So what would be some of the pieces of advice or things that you would suggest leadership or leaders think about now that we're opening up and people are returning mm -hmm. in, to work in some kind of form, some kind of semblance, whether it's in, asynchronous, in-person or virtual? I'll start by saying that it's important that organizations accept the fact that the same Employees who left the organization, you know, before um, the lockdown are not the same people who are returning, right? And just like you have rightly said, people have had to deal with quite a lot before, had to deal with, you know, loss, um, you know, illness, losing a loved one, grief, and, and you know, just tr trying to get their mental health in a place of stability. So mm -hmm. do not assume that the same guys who left the office are the same guys who will be returning. So organizations need to ensure that um, there's a safe place for people when they return to work, mm -hmm. okay? A safe place where people um, will be able to talk about some of the personal challenges that they deal with and, and without, without feeling judged about it. So the truth is that, um, you know, we haven't exhausted just how people you know, are responding to the aftermath of this of this pandemic just yet, okay? So it's important that organizations are able to develop great level of competence within their HR, for example, to ensure that when people come back, there's a level of support for them, okay? It's also important that, um, you know, organizations pay attention to flexibility. And, and just like I mentioned earlier, that, you know, we, we, did, a, we did a survey uh, within some of the organizations that we work with. And then we realized that what organizations or what, uh, you know, a lot of business leaders are looking for include flexibility, right? They're also thinking about 
uh, culture, and then they're thinking about purpose. So organizations need to be able to prove themselves that they also care about these areas, you know, and are also able to put their best um, foot forward. Um, I think it's also important to, you know, ensure that beyond having people come to the office for, you know, long hours, we're able to see exactly how we can also create a hybrid, you know, environment where people can not only work from home, but then they can also feel free to come to work, you know, because I think that one after that of um, this whole pandemic is that we really don't know the long-term effects of the total separation from the workplace. You know, I think that people need to still be able to connect with each other. I think that people still need to be able to find a place where they can share ideas, where, you know, we do not totally let go of elements of mentorship, for example, you know, peer learning within the organization um, because we have to work from home extensively. So the organizations need to ensure that, you know, we do not totally lose out on all this, um, you know, learning learning moments at work uh, in the beat of trying to say, you know what, let's just go um, adopt a, a full work from home since it's working and then people are as productive as ever. So those are some of the three key things that I, I will talk about. And, and probably I add this, right, that leaders within the organization also need to become more flexible, you know, in their thinking of what is acceptable and then what is not acceptable within the workplace. So I, I think that would also go a long way. So we, you know, we always talk about um, employees returning, but what about leaders? What is it that they need? You know, as they, you know, we they have had to be the strong ones, and the transparent ones, and the available ones, and the connected ones, mm-hmm. in order to create the bridge for their employees. But what do what do leaders need? Um, and you know, going back into that, like you said, this it's a bit of a and a bit of an abyss, really, because we really won't know the impact of the return to work. But what is it that you yes. think leaders need most going back and trying to reintegrate things? Because they're the ones that need to stay strongest in order to support uh, their employees and then in, in turn the culture. So, so I, I think that leaders need to not confuse being strong, you know, or, or need to ensure that they don't confuse vulnerability for wanting to put on that face or, or, or being strong. Uh, so, so I think leaders need to be at that point where uh, they understand that they are also going through, they are also going through a process uh, because they're human, you know, and, and being, lead, being a leader doesn't mean that your, your veins just suddenly freeze and then you don't feel anything anymore. So it's important that as leaders, return to the workplace to they come from that place of you know being um being vulnerable about their own experience too so that mm-hmm. you know the constituents can understand oh you know what i felt this my leader also felt this and that that just gives me some comfort so i think leaders have to come back to the workplace not just as superheroes with capes uh they need to come back to help people understand that they have also gone through the process and, you know, I, I, I strongly recommend that a, a lot of leaders also assess some form of, you know, mental health support, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, I remember having this conversation with a, a top business leader a few weeks back, and he thought, you know what, I think I'm just fine, right? I'm just fine. And then as we got on the conversation, he realized that he probably needed some some support, you know, because they, they 
in as much as he did not experience any form of direct trauma, he had um, you know, employees within the organization who passed um, in the course of COVID and he hadn't even dealt with that because he had to have that strong face um, you know, and be the leader for everyone else. So yes, pay attention to your mental health as a leader. Don't just assume that, you know, because you have been strong and then you have been tough all through this entire period, you know, it, it just um, has, has absorbed you of the ability to feel, the ability to, you know, be empathetic and all of that. So get some level of support, you know, mental health support as the case may be. But then come back to the workplace being, being vulnerable, come back to the workplace being open to learn, come back to the workplace not being judgmental about people's experiences or exactly how they feel. And, you know, just give yourself room to breathe. Just be gentle and kind because it's, it's, a, it's quite the space, right? Because you have to shuttle between vulnerability and strength. And- Right, so and vacillating from those parts can be uh, can be can be difficult at times. So, can we? This has been fantastic. Thanks so much um, for people um, that are you know would want to speak to you or, or find out more about um, you know your capacity to work with them and their their organizations. Tell them a little bit about where they can reach you so that they can reach out if they'd like to connect with you. I'm available on LinkedIn. And uh, it's Kemi Ogunkoya, and that's K-E-M-I-O-G-U-N-K-O-Y-A. So you can find me on LinkedIn, send me a message, and then, you know, I'd respond. Or then if you also go to my website, it's www.kemiogunkoya.com. I'm sure we can connect there. Thank you so much. So again, um, I guess what I'm walking around away from is, um, know when to step off the dance floor and um, develop trust so that you can get to the balcony and let the others that you've employed um, demonstrate the capacity that you've instilled in them and, and their capabilities, which obviously, um, you know, you recognize talent, so let them follow through, uh, but be there to support them when they need it most. Uh, so again, thanks for tuning in. Uh, if you're needing um any information on authentic leadership. As you know, uh, my book will be coming out soon. You can reach out to me um, so that we can talk a little bit more about authenticity as a leader and how it impacts your teams. So again, thanks so much, Kemi. And everyone, take care and we will chat with you soon. Thanks for tuning in to Authentic Living with Roxanne, creating the space for positive, healthy change. Roxanne is a keynote speaker, psychotherapist, and coach. To work with Roxanne, visit roxanderhajcom slash blueprint. We'll see you next time on Authentic Living with Roxanne.